welcome to the Recombobulator Lab with Jason Graham Nye and Chris Dominic. Dominic, Chris, dot J. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why does it have to be so hard? I don't know. I just, I don't. I, it's just. I know you're trying to get it different each time, but damn, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Okay, so I want you to. I want you to tell me. Jason knows I'm not a particularly patient person. Jason apparently had trouble this morning hitting his mark on our on our show. Jason, can you can you tell us all what's going on? What what's going uh, on? I I got into a. Well, it's first. It's Sunday morning. Okay, it's it was like 10 a.m. It was in the calendar to, to do the podcast thing, and then I got. I got enraptured. I fell. I I fell hard. I fell deep, <laughs> cooking bacon. And Chris and many of people who know me know that I only really get involved with one food group, and that's bacon. When we had the office in Portland, Oregon, we had the office upstairs, and we we lived in the house that we worked in. And the poor team, if there were any vegetarians, I'd just like to say I'm sorry because I would cook bacon in the morning. And mm. yeah, so I'm so it, sorry, Chris. That, I, that stuff sticks to the walls. I mean, oh like yeah, the, the, you gotta hose the, the house out. Yeah. I mean, like you, you will walk by and you could smell a wall and it would smell like pig, basically. Yeah, so. it, I've tried lots of different weight things and health things and things in my life. Yeah. And I've tried vegetarianism for like 10 minutes and my body type doesn't work with that. And yeah. so I just, I, the, the calling back from the bacon is strong in me. Yeah, no, so, it's, uh, it's look, it's, it's impossible to deny that bacon has almost zero positive health effects. Yeah. Uh, but, but damn, it's good. And I will say it is low carb. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Dominique. <laughs> That would be confirmation bias in action. <laughs> there's, there's one thing I can say good about it. I'm going to focus on it. Okay. Oh, my God. So, so hey, I want to know. I've been thinking about this. So, some people got back to me and they said, Chris, I've been loving the podcast. You guys are doing a great job. And, by the way, I thank you, everybody. We're on episode 11, and it's been really cool to hit all these markers. But uh, we've gotten some feedback that it's time for us to just, you know, have a chat again because it's been a while. I, another thing that's worth probably noting is I can't help but think you have a really cool vodka oak cocktail that you make. But yeah, yeah. You know, I, it's, it's I, boring though. This is true. It's boring but effective. Well, okay, sure, but I mean, and it's tasty, right? I'm, I'm. Not, it's not just effective. It's tasty, but, it, but uh, you need a name, don't you? I'm with you. Vodka. What about? Soda. What about? Can I suggest something? Yeah, hit me up. I got ideas. I'm not saying they're good, but you know the creative process. You throw stuff out. Hit me, pitch man. What about the Ben O Buckler, <laughs> or the Buckler O? Oh, that's good. Or. Oh! The Bondi O. Oh, that's or the. Is <laughs> any of those working? I don't All know. There's got to be. Don't you think that if you? I mean, I just think some of those would be better than. Hey, I've got vodka, club soda, and lime. That's just. So there's an area here called Bembuckla. It's the Republic of Bembuckla. We, as others, we mentioned before, vodka O is a vodka that it's basically sponsoring us, but not quite sponsoring us. It's they they, they won't admit that they're sponsoring us, yeah. but they're sending us vodka, so yeah. they're kind of sponsoring us. We're we're just trying to get them over the line. Yeah, I'm with. Yeah, and so we've got the, the Republic of Bembuckla. 
Bakla, Ben Bakla, and then this Vodka O brand. So the, the marriage of that into a drink would be epic. So the Ben Bakla O. Oh, All yeah. of this sounds great. Bondi O. O Bondi. O Bondi. Bondi O. It's like O Canada. Yeah, look, I, I'm i loving it. I can see the brand. I can see the I can see the name on a menu. It'll be the welcome cocktail. It'll be the, the signature cocktail. That's what you do at a party. I looked up Ben Buckler out of curiosity. Like, where the hell do you get that name from? Mm. And it's, it's the name of the guy that they named the guns after that were on the edge of the cliff where you live. So here's the thing. Yeah. Big ass guns there. Well, yeah, because we had to fend off the Japanese. Right. Right, but like, are there? Where are the guns? <laughs> They're yeah. hiding. The caves are there. They've t- did you put it? Did you put them down into the ground? Or like, will they pop up like a James Bond movie? They will. It's totally James Bond down here. Two guns just come out of nowhere <laughs> with the theme like music playing. Ben Buckler like sitting there with his. His Look, when, bag. The, the Republic of Mbakla, we are planning on seceding from Waverley Council. That's the local council. We're going to secede and okay. we have diplomats. It's a little too close to home, man. I'm an I American. Know, I know. It's not be seceding. Okay? It's going to be a peaceful secession. But we've got someone like yourself representing our interests in Oregon. We've got some. We've got an attorney general based in uh, Connecticut. He's a very good attorney general for us. What? We've got this. This is serious. We've got diplomats posted all around the world, okay. and we we are going to have South Bondi pay for the wall. That's already been done, <laughs> and we're going to have a navy. And we're going to refire up the cannons that you just spoke of. Oh, yeah. Well, that would be pretty badass, I will say. Well, like, yeah. They're probably very big because back then it was all about mechanical cannons stuff, and things. Right? So, so Ben Buckler, two theories. One, he was an indigenous guy living in the caves. And the other is he was a escaped convict also living in the cave. You're making that up. That's no, no, no. It's on Wikipedia and that's the truth. Really? Oh. <laughs> it really is. I'm serious. All right. So I've been a little bit jealous of you and your vodka O case of vodka O. I've, I've thought about asking you how much how deep into that case you are and then I think, no, I don't want to know because I'll you don't want to know. So you know what I'm doing instead? What's that? Oh! <laughs> It's five o'clock, I suppose. It's exactly five o'clock <laughs> on so Saturday funny. night. And... Well, it's, you know what? It's noon here. I could justifiably crack a beer. Mm. I could do that. Yeah, you guys have different rules. Although, I, in fairness, you know, weekend football, people do that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. And by the way, I wouldn't feel bad about it. Although, you, if you start talking about vodka oh, while you're doing this, I might get a little bitter. No. So, anyway. The point is, you know, I figured I'd loosen up a little. So, <laughs> I got to ask you something. Hmm. What's going on these days? What's new? We are. Summer here. It's January. Got kids. Let's see. Kids go back to school. You know, in Southern Hemisphere. So is it like? Oh, so summer break is uh, what? Yeah, yeah, it's super confusing. December one to sort of February one. Okay, it's a two month break. Exactly. So both kids, okay. eighteen and nearly sixteen, they're both working. Eighteen year old working. He's finished school, so he just got his exam results back, and he's off to university. Working at the local cafe, Cafe Bondi, fantastic new cafe. And the younger one is working at Let's Go Surfing, the greatest surf school ever. Mm, so for mm. all your surfing needs, check them out. So the kids are good, and uh, I'm uh, awesome. getting, uh, yeah, the second year of my PhD. So I'm doing a ton of reading, and uh, um, I'm for a grant from the 15 Pacific Islands who want to look at alternatives to disposable baby diapers. And so what's cool is oh. if we get the grant, and these days PhDs are done by compilation mostly, so it's not mm. one 
monolithic 100,000 words. It's like five papers and you get each of them published and peer-reviewed and published. And so this could be my first paper, which would be quite a a thing. So that's exciting and it's a really interesting, you know, I'm 50 and to go back into study, um, I've I've found challenging but really stimulating. It's like a different language, the language of academia. So I'm really engaged. But what I do find, Chris, is a little odd is that it is like a different language. So it's a little hard after you've Mm -hmm. spent four hours reading journals to then go and speak to someone about what you've just read because I'm like yeah. what the hell are you talking about but I'm really loving it yeah but- that's great I can see why that's really powerful in what you're doing because that that whole world is so important now I I just recently read this synopsis of all these amazing technological achievements in mm-hmm. environmental science including the Stanford team that came up with the industrial machine that removes co2 from the atmosphere oh wow that blows my mind oh. The microorganism that naturally eats oil and plastic and yeah. poops water. Yeah. Well, it's it's really interesting because in all of the research, the literature shows that we've had a, an extreme focus on kind of technological solution, but the missing piece is actually us, it's the people. Yeah. The sociological yeah, sure. piece, the social science. So my whole focus is kind of a social science approach to addressing climate change because mm. we are we are addicted as consumers, and it's interesting we don't say citizens, we say we're consumers because we live in a in an economic world <laughs> the labels yeah, we consume no what do consumers do they consume you know we live in a world where we are absolutely and fully addicted to low cost and high convenience and the cost yes. is we won't have a planet that's livable yeah. so we can do that the technology you described is unbelievable but it's sort of like a vacuum cleaner cleaning up stuff but then where does it go and how about you young chris what's going on in your well, world well so we started off the year basically almost like 2019 which was really a nice change there's some Something really exciting about realizing that you adapted to a dangerous situation and you came out of it. Mm. And it makes you, it gives you a certain level of, of confidence. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we were, we were riding really high. We were in a point of crazy amounts of thriving. And then this whole thing happened. And I had never even considered for the moments, for example, that the courts would close. Like that's just not in, that's not in the strategic plan on threats to the organization. It's just right. not. Nobody thought, saw that coming. And, you know, maybe that's our fault. But the reality is I, I'd be curious to see if, you know, on the, the SWOT analysis, uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, mm-hmm. threats, that you'll commonly see in strategic planning documents and companies. I'd be curious to see how many of them said global pandemic. Um, It just, for whatever reason, it wasn't on the radar. It's a black swan. But we're on the other side of it. We've got this great new, got all this great new stuff going on. I'm really thrilled about the work that we're doing. I'm in my second now all remote trial. That's amazing. All remote, 100%. And we released a a new website on Friday. And you know, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but Every time I do a new website, I think, oh, yeah, it won't be that hard, you know? And then it's a hole you go down. It's just there's a million little things to figure out. I mean, the last website we had looked so good for so many years. And then one day I looked at it. It was like a it was like a suit where or a pair of shoes where like one day you just look at it and you go, I love these shoes. And then the next day you go, these shoes look like crap. <laughs> I saw it. Totally. That's what happened with our website. At some point, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it lasted longer than a normal website. And then one day, I was like, oh, God, get me out of here. That's so for, funny. Like, just things change. Like, for example, even 10 years ago, 
five years ago, websites had a lot more text on them than they have now. Have you noticed that? Yeah. That's just not a thing anymore. I, it's, I was listening to a different podcast yesterday <laughs> to try and figure out how to do this one better. And, uh, you know, they made a great comment. Like, I wrote a blog every day for 10, mm. 12 years, and it's kind of like the diary of our time in America. I've read it. <laughs> you, you poor thing. But it's like the guy was like, no one reads blogs. It's all podcasts. I'm like, really? And now I'm not sure I'm listening to more podcasts because we're doing this one. But man, what an efficient way to get information in while you're running, doing chores, doing the shopping. Like mm -hmm. no one has, mm -hmm. as you say, no one has time for heavy blocks of tech. And it, it is funny doing the research on the PhD side, how I'm writing stuff and my supervisor's like, a paragraph has got to be at least 200 words. What are you doing? I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, at least. Yeah, you're going to be living in two worlds. You'll be yeah. straddling a line. I remember <laughs> thinking of websites. Our first website when we moved to the States, we had to build a website for this business. And this is, you know, pre-Facebook, pre-Amazon selling anything other than books and CDs. That was a $100,000 website. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I remember that. I remember that. And we had to whip one out two months ago. And it was Completely like, different now. Yeah, WordPress, that's boom, 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 yeah. Like, wow. Now we had a fantastic shark alarm yesterday. The shark alarm went off and that was always exciting. And Oh, so the shark Shark alarm. Uh, so good. Shades of Jaws, 1977, every time. Okay, so so a lot of people don't know this, but a lot of Australian beaches have shark nets. Yeah, absolutely. And Talk about that. Yeah, well, the funny thing Tell is... Tell us about shark nets. <laughs> Sorry. The funny thing with shark nets is they're not one, one net that goes across the bay. It's actually a series of them and they're tiered. And uh, one of the weird things is um, apparently sharks don't do well weaving in and out of nets to get in and eat the humans. Apparently, that's a huge distraction for them. And so they just leave. They're like, I don't want to deal with this net. Yeah. It's like, wait, I'm weaving? No, no, I'm out of here. <laughs> one, <laughs> one cool thing. They don't want to weave? No, they're, they're sharks, non, don't, they're non sharks don't weave. But what's cool is the, the dolphins come to bay. So the dolphins can figure it out. They probably jump over them. But uh, one cool thing is three years ago, they launched this yellow kind of um, buoy, as you guys say in America. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you say? We say boy, but it's the same spelling as you guys. So it's very confusing. Oh, you say boy and we say buoy. And we both okay. spell it All right. Okay. But this yellow thing sits out in the bay and it's, it's face recognition for sharks. So mm. sharks are always around us. Uh, the problematic ones are the ones that keep coming back. And so this face recognition technology sends an image of visitors that keep coming back to the um, the lifeguard tower on an iPhone app. And then they send out something to kind of shoo the shark away. So that's been pretty effective too. So we haven't had a shark attack here for maybe 80, 100 years. Like it's very rare, but Whoa, we see them. That's my, amazing. Yeah, my younger son has seen a shark underneath his board surfing. And, a bit know, of a small. Yeah, a little small one. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's just the way it is. So yeah, that's a little bit, bit of a Bondi update. When I used to surf down in San Diego, mm. I would surf next to porpoises. It would oh every once God. in a while. Really? They, would, they would like like to have fun, like jamming next to you. They yeah. would surf next to you. Oh, it was really, really exciting. I, I didn't believe it at first, and then it was there. What about uh, vaccinations down there? You guys doing that? Oh, my gosh. So the one, the, the, the vaccination that our government put a bet on and said that's the winner apparently only has a 60 to 65% strike rate. Oh. So that's one problem. But the other thing, and this is terrible, because, because we have such a low rate of infection, mm. um, we have a part of the countries like wait we want to get vaccinated now what are we waiting for and the mm. essential answer from our prime minister was well let's just see what happens in the uk and america first and we'll, well okay but the uk is getting slaughtered i oh mean they're God. they're in bad, bad, bad shape because they got that they got that variant mm -hmm. well here's i've got a i've got something for you mm -hmm. you ready i'm ready i've got good news <gasps> which is yeah I do because Oregon's going to start COVID nineteen vaccination. Vaccination? <laughs> Are we making up words now? 
Vactations. Is that like a vacation for vaccinations? I've only had one beer. Oregon to start COVID-19 vaccinations of teachers January 25th. Seniors 80 plus to wait until February 8th. And then every week after that, they go five years down. So 75s and 70s and 65 and up and 60s and 55 and up and 50. So that means that middle-aged folks basically like are good to go by April. That is huge. That's fantastic. If it works. I mean, the implementation hasn't been quite what we had hoped, but the Mm -hmm. reality is it's, it's nice to see a plan in front of you. That's, that's, that's massive news. I mean, it seems like it's the only pathway to some sort of sustainable life. I mean, even down here where we thought we were kind of free and clear and then this little outbreak happens and suddenly all the borders are closed. Many, many friends we know had booked there's, you know, there's summer home vacation up north across the border. Now that's all been cancelled. And it just sends mm-hmm. the whole economy to mayhem, right? So Yes. So, Chris, I think it's time for a little bit of quiz action. Mm-hmm. And I'm now the quiz master. As, they, as that great movie said, I'm the captain now. Mm-hmm. I'm basically a pirate and I'm taking over your ship and your Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. You ready? Those of you who think Jason's just a nice Australian guy don't realize that he could be a brutal man. This is going to be, this is this, this, this could end in tears. Uh, there will be blood. Okay. All right. All right. I'm stealing myself. Are you ready? You might need to crack another beer because this is going to get really bad really quickly. All right. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Let's go. Okay. This is five questions around colonialism because colonialism. I live in a colony. <laughs> I guess that's well, we're, we're technically a colony too. It's just that we, we kick people out quicker than you. Yeah. And just on that, we, we are tragically tied back to England and there is a push to, for us to become a republic. You know, our money still has the Queen's face on it. Uh, I thought you guys were a republic. No, 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 no. What are you? We are, that's a really good question. Technically, are we? Are you a, are you a parliamentary? Yes. That's the one. Yeah, but we have a governor general that is the representative of the queen here. So when we, when it's unbelievable, when the prime, okay, minister, but he doesn't have any power, does no, he? No, well, he, well, that's a different episode. There's a, he managed. <laughs> it's it's a great story about what happened in 1978 when he actually did manage to fire the prime minister. But that's a long story. Oh wow! Okay, the governor right. general, like when the prime minister here calls an election, he informs the governor general, who informs the queen of England, and the queen of England sends very well, and off we go. It's bizarre, but I and of course our, our our flag has a British has the British the Union yeah. Jack on it, yeah, and my yeah. favourite ever comedian Jerry Seinfeld who described our flag, which has the Union Jack top left and then a series of seven stars representing the Southern Cross. He just said, "Ah, oh, Britain at night," <laughs> which I think is quite cool. Anyway, I yeah. am going to quiz you on colonialism. Okay. Five questions here. I think if you got one of these right, I'd be really impressed. So here we go. Okay. Question one: The island of Tobago was first a colony of which of these European countries in the 17th and early 18th century? Okay. So the four options: Courland, Holland, Spain, or England. What was the first one? Courland, C-O-U-R-L-A-N-D. I have never even heard of that. Oh. I'll just say that's what it is. <gasps> You're right. So. <laughs> Holland, God, I hate you. This little duchy, which covered the territory of modern Latvia, was a merchant powerhouse in the 14th, 15th and 17th centuries, but was annexed by Russia in 1721, which is sort of what they do. Isn't that cool? Which is sort of what they do. (laughs) Okay. All right. Beautiful. All right. You're one from one, and I'm already disappointed. I'm I'm throwing out the guessing powers that I threw out during my SAT. (laughs) That's right. It's always B or C. Um, So uh, the territories of Jew and Daman in India were outposts of what European country until a few years after World War II? Was Mm. it Germany, 
Great Britain, Portugal, or France? I'm going with Great Britain. It was Portugal. So, India annexed or repossessed the territories along with Goa, which was also Portuguese. Huh, okay. Mm, Okay, Okay. all right. I've never even heard of those. Full on guess. Question three. The island of Zanzibar was a possession of what sultanate until the 19th century? Was it Dubai, Medina, Oman, or Masara? That's one, two, three, four choices, right? Mm -hmm. The fifth choice is the Sultan of Ben Buckler. (laughs) He's picked it. It's true, isn't it? No. (laughs) No? Okay. I failed. Oh, boy. I know how it feels now. You see? Yeah, you're doing a good job. That's You're really rubbing it in. Okay, let's go. Okay, do you want to know the answer? Yeah. The answer was Oman, and it was a slave trade oh. post and part of the small Omani empire. Okay, so... Okay, so in hindsight, it wasn't a good idea inventing an extra yeah. uh, no. answer that couldn't have possibly been true. We got two to go. Now, the fourth question <laughs> is, which of these Asian countries was never a colony? Thailand, mm-hmm. Burma... Korea or Laos? I'm going to go Korea. You know what? That's a really good answer. But it's not quite good enough. Um, <laughs> Korea, <laughs> Korea was part of Japan until 1945. Oh, that's uh, sad. Well, they must hate the Japanese. Oh, and my first Japanese teacher was Korean. It was surreal. Oh, that had to be weird. Oh, it was really weird. Laos was part of the French Empire until 1954. Burma was British until 1948, so the answer is actually Thailand. Thailand was, yeah. was has always done its own thing. Yeah, and they've had a royal family. Okay, last question. This one's very close to your heart. The Chinese region of Tsintao was a quasi-protectorate of which European power in the early 20th century? Was it the Netherlands, Britain, Germany, or France? Oh, my God, really? You'll kill, if you get this, it's going to be amazing, and you should get it intuitively. I'm going to go Britain. Oh, Okay. It was Germany, and what's really cool is the Germans brought the art of beer making to China, which is why we have Tsintao Beer. You know the brand? Oh, of course. So that's the quiz for the day. You you are one out of five. Yeah, that's not good, although it's kind of at par like you. Yeah, it's hard, yeah. (laughs) Although you crushed the the political one. You did a great job on that. You were five, four or five, or five or six, something really amazing like that. Yeah, Yeah, it was really good. Well, here's a bonus question, sixth question on the quiz. What percentage of food that is bought in the U.S. is organic? Oh, don't God. reveal your Portland, Oregon, greeny, lefty. I'm going to go with 33. 1.7% of all food. 1.7? Oh, my perspective is so warped by Portland. Yeah, no, no, I was too. One of the things that just blows my mind, when you go to Europe and you you look at the food that they've got and you realize nothing on any of the shelves has all the crap in it that we have, it's just shocking. Like, for example, I'll just, I'll just challenge you here. Go to Italy or actually even go to America and pick up an Italian jar of sauce. Take a look at what's in there and then look at like ragu or prego or one of these American knockoff versions. You're going to see all sorts of crazy stuff in there that you won't see in the Italian stuff because the Italians don't let you do it. They just have a rule. Rapid food. So we noticed in the US that there, even Dave's Killer Bread, which is kind of an organic bread, there was molasses in there. Mm-hmm. So there's either molasses or sugar, high fructose corn syrup. And that changes, I mean, that's just having that much sugar in bread is kind of confusing. What do you guys have in Australia? Do you have a rules about that? Yeah, we are more like America. We would have more, We yeah. And actually, so you guys are allowed to use high fructose yeah. corn syrup and you're allowed to use uh, preservatives and things like that. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So I think we, in the, we are much closer to the States because we have most of the American multinational food companies are down here. So it's the same kind of setup, which is like 93% or 98% north 
normal food and that smidge of organic food. Whereas, as you say, in Europe, and I think in Asia as well, they just eat cleaner food. What's your uh, irrational pet peeve these days? My irrational pet peeve? Just what, yeah, like what's been getting under your skin and it's not even necessarily justified. Like if you were honest with yourself, you'd like be like, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't be such a jerk about it. But for whatever reason, it drives me crazy. I have an irrational pet peeve about reliability of people. Oh, yeah. Which is ironic given that I blew past our <laughs> original time. Mm. Well, that's probably why it bothered you that you blew past it. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. What 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 it is it? Like, well, I just think... I, Actually, it is things like being on time or saying you're going to do something and then not doing it. It. Uh, yeah, no, I'm the same way. I, I'm bonkers about that stuff. Actually, I. No, I'm terrible. And then I sit back and I think, what just happened? I just had a complete brain explosion. Why did I do that? Like, I think I'm more interested in this self inquiry after the explosion to go, mm-hmm. okay, what just happened? Why did that happen? Hey, what do we got coming up next week? Because we actually know what we're doing it for the first time in forever. We actually know what we're doing next week, right? <laughs> Who's on the slate next week? Leslie McKenzie. Yeah, she's awesome. So she's a she's a pro athlete from Canada. So she's gone on from uh, an athlete to be the very first foreigner to coach a Japanese national team. She's the coach of the Japanese national women's rugby team, and she is amazing. And and you know her because you're the official translator for the Japanese rugby team. Team, right? Am I, am I... Yeah, you absolutely know that. So every year in February, the, the circus comes to town, the same circus that you and I went and watched in Las Vegas, the HSBC World Rugby Sevens tournament. And it's it goes through like eight or 10 countries. So we catch it in Las Vegas when it came through the US. In Australia, it comes into Sydney. And um, every year I'm attached to either the women's or the men's seven-a-side rugby team. So seven people on the, on, the, on the field. But what was really cool was I met Leslie. She was working with the women's sevens program. But then she reached out and said, hey, I've been appointed the 15th coach. We have a two-week tour of Australia. Could you join the team for two weeks? So I took two weeks off work and I toured around with them, went up the coast with them. And uh, it was great. I really got to know her. And then I was thinking, what a great guest she'd be um, because she's you know she's living in Japan she's getting ready ready for the Rugby World Cup next year in New Zealand she's living in a very different culture I'd love to get a perspective on uh, you know things around how's COVID going in Japan what's it like coaching in Japan getting ready for what does she do when you're not around though I mean does she speak a Japanese she's she's learning Japanese quickly and uh, yeah it's yeah it's one but is it's a massive thing to be a foreigner coaching in Japan as a woman, like breaking down so many barriers in Japan where the gender thing is still very much real. Living in Japan as a foreigner is is hard. Uh, becoming a Japanese citizen as a foreigner is nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought she'd be a great guest and I can't wait to have the conversation with her. Awesome. So, hey, can you do me something real quick? Just just try something out for me. Can you translate this in Japanese? <laughs> Ready? Ready? Yep. My name's Jason, and I'll be your really awesome, tall, white host for the next month. <laughs> I just so cool, man. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, I asked you to say something silly, but I just, I think that's really cool. We haven't unleashed the Jason with Japanese yet. That's no, really good. I've got to pick up, we've got to get some, uh, some download, some subscribers in Japan. Oh, that'd be really fun. But you, we'd have to have like a, we'd have like a translated yeah. episode. That'd be kind of weird. All right, man. Well, hey, 
Uh, I'm looking forward to next week. That'll be really fun. I hope you have a great week. I'll talk to you real soon. And hey, everybody, thanks again for keeping us going. Thanks again for uh, plugging us and pushing us along to other people and giving us that five-star review. We really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you much, everyone. See you. joining us at the Recombobulator Lab with Chris Dominic and Jason Graham-Nine. Catch you next time.